0: What I remember is having this confrontation with these two figures and what my friends remember is me going into some kind of trance and talking to them in a voice that was not my voice about Tiamat, the queen of the dragons who lived underneath the ocean.
1: (laughs) This is Your Magic, a Spotify original from Parcast Studios and Your Magic Media, I'm Michelle T. Today on the program, we're going to talk to author Alexander Chi, former clairvoyant child, former teen witch, and current celebrated author of most recently How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, which is amazing. After that, we have an irreverent and handy spell from Marcella Kroll, the Los Angeles based host of the Saved by the Spell podcast. And finally, we'll join our producer, Christine Marr, as she investigates the trend of using emojis to make magic, and finds that the roots of these text message rituals are much more ancient than we'd guess. Stay with us. Spells. When I was a teenage witch, I loved making these charm bags. There were these little satin pouches you could get at witch stores, and I would stuff them with herbs and crystals and sink my intentions into them. I really loved making pouches for love. I would take a pink satin bag, some dried rosebuds, a rose quartz, and I would add some drops of this intensely floral love oil. Love seemed like the biggest, most alluring mystery, like it could open up a whole other part of yourself and of the world. Being magic, it seemed like love would respond to magic. And my love spells worked. My first pouch brought me David. David, who called everyone girl all the time, like, hey girl, and so wound up being called girl by everyone. Girl told me I was better than Barbara Streisand, which was not much of a compliment to a 16 year old goth, but David loved Barbara Streisand. I felt the power of love magic falling into blissful makeouts with girl, magic that would end suddenly and sharply. Bye, girl my second pouch brought me Perry, who had the role of Dr. Frankenfurter at the Rocky Horror Picture Show in Harvard Square. My crush was stoked with hours of watching Perry prance and cavort in a corset and garters, flicking his heavily augmented eyebrows, snapping his gloves, curling his lips as he lip synced to sweet transvestite. In case you're not getting it, the boyfriends my love pouches were calling to me were G-A-Y gay. Maybe it was because I was gay or queer or whatever, but I didn't really know that yet about myself. But honestly, I think it was because my pouches were pink. Intention counts for a lot in spell work, but magic has a history too. For hundreds of years, spellcasters have agreed that red is the color of romantic love. 16 years old, I wasn't using red for my love spells. It was a little too hot for me, to be honest. I used pink for my spells, the color of friendly love. And it brought me a couple of very sweet, very gay boyfriends. No regrets. Now, let's move on to our very special guest, basically my dream 1980s teenage gay boyfriend, if you will, the award-winning and beloved author, Alexander Chi. Hello, Alexander. Thanks for being on your magic. So I just want to ask you, front and center, are you a witch? <laughs>
0: I felt witchy as a child, certainly. It it feels like a weird thing to aspire to in one way, but I think that's possibly like just like about growing up in Maine and that kind of calvinist like who are you to think you could be anything except a piece of trash, you know, like Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Earlier this week I was doing a kind of a a tarot demo, I guess, for this for Korean Literature Now, which is a, a Korean uh, literary group that promotes cross-cultural exchange between like Korean writers and American writers, and Korean American writers. And I was showing them this, this card trick that had been first shown to me by the parapsychologist who uh, tested me for clairvoyance when I was a child, and for which I tested positive <laughs> the, the way it works is that you think of a card you run your fingers alongside the deck and then you open up the deck when you think you've arrived at the card i had been thinking of the queen of cups i did not say it out loud to them because i was sort of i was sort of thinking well what if i don't like what if i don't get it right and it's i some sort of ego thing kept me from announcing the card but then i got it right and then i burst out laughing and then i had to explain why. Which was a little, only a, a little bit embarrassing.
1: Did you feel before you were tested uh, to see if you were clairvoyant? Had you felt that you were clairvoyant as a child?
0: I, I had, and I hoped that I was. Uh-huh. I certainly had aspirations. Sure. Uh, to be like, you know, to be like Jean Grey in the X Men, or uh, or basically like any of the. I also really wa- I really wanted pyrokinesis. I really <sighs> wanted like. I read Firestarter. Yes, and like, Firestarter.
1: This. So formative. Oh my gosh. That's what's when you just can light things on fire with your mind, right? Yes. So when you were when you were tested positive for clairvoyance as a child, did your life change after that? Or how did it must have changed somehow, at least internally?
0: Uh, kids made fun of me a lot. Oh,
1: are you kidding me? Yeah. God, kids are so basic. Because it's Maine. Because it's Maine. I know, you know, I also grew up in a very hostile and punishing New England environment. So I get it.
0: I seriously wanted it to be kind of like the X-Men. I was like, when does Professor X show up asking me to join, you know? But instead, they were all kind of afraid of me. That was the, like, they sort of, it's that thing of being able to know something that other people don't know how you know it, Mm -hmm. that they fear, you know?
1: Which makes me think also how, like, just, you know, anyone who's an outsider, which by virtue of being Korean and gay in Maine, I'm guessing you were as a kid, like you do know things that other people don't know, you know, and you do have a power. So it's like, it blends so well, this desire to also have like more tangible powers that you can actually enact.
0: I think, you know, I also, with some time, I have realized that when you are a kid and you don't have control over your circumstances, you want to be bigger than your fears somehow. You want to be able to, throw a car across the street when you're pissed or, you know, all these mm-hmm. kinds of childish expressions of your rage. But I did, I did start reading up on, it was sort of like I began with myths ah. and then I gradually moved towards the occult. We had this amazing town librarian who was so kind to me and letting me like check out books that I, I had no business checking out oh, God uh, bless being them. like you know the age that I was was The Golden Bough. Um, you know, it was an uh, anthropological work on magic, for those who don't know, that, that drew from many different cultures. And it was an attempt to try to look at all of those different influences on our ideas of what magic is and how it works. I was hoping it was a spell book. I really <laughs> wanted like, I was like, when do I find the instruction, you know? But, but then I started playing D&D, and
1: total gateway
0: and then that group of people i played dnd with eventually became like a kind of experimental coven
1: really how old were you at this point
0: i was let's see driving age okay. i was like 16 yeah at that point
1: and so um, my and guess is your, were your was your dnd crowd like also sort of misfit kids
0: it was uh misfit kids and uh a couple of Slightly older misfit adults, okay, who were uh, who were very into the occult as well as D and D, and who sort of had the idea of of us possibly becoming a coven. And they were like, "Oh, you you are definitely a sender," and I was like, "What is a sender?" And they said, "I was very good at projecting my." Thoughts to others um, so that other people knew what I was feeling or thinking without me having to tell them.
1: I have to ask, like, what were you and your teen witch coven doing? Like, what kind of activities did you guys do besides Dungeons and Dragons?
0: I think the weirdest thing we tried to do was we tried to do an exorcism under a bridge in Portland where uh, somebody had been killing cats. We were doing some kind of spell there was a fire this was the thing that like kind of it was very difficult for the group to contain because i think it was all kind of fun and games as long as like nothing conclusive ever really happened you know but what i remember is sort of like having this confrontation with uh these two figures and what my friends remember is me going into some kind of trance and talking to them in a voice that was not my voice about Tiamat, the queen of the dragons who lived underneath the ocean.
1: (laughs) Wait, what?
0: (laughs) That was what we were up to.
1: That's a very ambitious undertaking for teen witches. It's not like I was doing little dumb love potions in my bedroom, but like an exorcism of, a cat killing energy is like really big. How did you feel afterwards? Did
0: you know what's hilarious is that I was not put, I was not put off, and I remember one of our sort of coven leaders was a husband and wife saying, "Well, you know, you are the sensitive one, um, so it makes sense." and I just, I remember thinking like, that's so unfair, you know, that I'm the sensitive one. Um, so that I'm the one the spirits chose. But, but then I started getting interested in that. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to figure out like, not so much like what there was to do with it, but like, I certainly got interested in like kinds of psychic protection and,
1: Yeah. you know. I wanted to ask if in your magic practices, have you ever had a spell kind of go sideways on you?
0: Yes. <laughs> I, I'd had a, I had gone through a breakup that was really traumatic for me. But I think it was possibly that I experienced it as like a, experienced as a projection of some other loss, like maybe Mm -hmm. suppressed grief from my father's death or something. Mm And I didn't understand why, why it had happened, Uh, and he wouldn't really explain. And so I cast a spell on him to bring him back and it kind of worked Mm -hmm. in a strange way where but i felt like he also didn't understand why he was coming back to me and that was so humiliating that i was like i must cancel this spell immediately <laughs>
1: oh no did you cancel it i was
0: like wow this should not this is just not the right use of
1: it's like the pet cemetery of of love affairs yes. <laughs> it comes back undead and you're like yeah. it smells funny <laughs> what's wrong with it
0: <laughs> what's wrong with tabby yeah
1: how did you cancel it i'm sure this is something everyone needs to know <laughs> how to cancel the love spell you wish you hadn't made.
0: I. I think you. Oh, there was. I. I remember there was with the instructions. There are also instructions on how to, like, if if such and such was disturbed, then the spell would uh, spell would break. And I was like,
1: gonna disturb Psh. that shit. Like, yes. Oh my god. Disturb that
0: shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was about the arrangement of the elements of the of the spell. And so once you, once that was disturbed, mm-hmm. then the spell was also disturbed, which when you think about it is a really shitty basis for a relationship.
1: (laughs) Right, a fragile spell. (laughs) Totally. I mean, you know, well, there's this whole thing or like love spells even consensual, right? It's like, can you...
0: Oh, I had not thought about that, but that is... I hadn't uh, either, but you
1: know what made me think about it, Alexander Chi, when we were together teaching at the Tin House Summer Workshop a few years back, staying Mm -hmm. in the dormitories at Reed College in Portland, Oregon, there was a poster left in the hallway from when the students were living there. And it was this big warning. And it was like, love spells and love potions are not consensual. So it was everything. It was like totally hilarious and also totally legitimate and i was like oh my god like i i love this this is so like protecting (laughs) you know consent culture body mind spirit you know like
0: i love it too that is that's fantastic it was really great it is so (laughs) weird
1: So ah, yeah, I'd love to read your cards. May I? Please do. Do you have any idea of what you'd like some insight into?
0: I do feel a little adrift in terms of like trying to figure out, I have like all these different book projects that I want to work on, but trying mm-hmm. to find my way into the one has been a little chaotic right now with all this teaching that I'm doing. And then also the, the political stuff and.
1: There's a lot weighing on our creative spirits right now. Um, Let's see. How about, so is it, is it that you have a few different ideas and you're just not sure which is the one? Yeah. Let's pull on different, different okay. ideas. What about that? That sounds, it sure. could be helpful. Okay. So idea number one, whatever it is, give it a nickname.
0: I'll give it, a, I'll give them code names. How about that?
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So
0: the code name for this one is gay table.
1: Gay table, okay. Oh, it's very evocative. So what does the road towards the gay table book look like? Put your gay table cards down on my gay desk. And all right. What's um what is the what's your next project?
0: That code name will be longing.
1: Wow, that is so succinct and yet has such room. Can imagine an entire essay collection built around themes of a longing. Is there a third possibility in the mix?
0: There's two more.
1: Oh great! Oh, I love it! I love it. Okay, what's the next one?
0: Uh, Red leaf.
1: Red leaf. Okay. And what is our last one?
0: Uh, last one. Is, code name is Two Boy Army. Two Boy
1: Army. All right. All right, we'll start with Gay Table. Gay Table has given us the Queen of Swords. There she is up there on Ooh. her throne of clouds, looking down. She's a real editor. <gasps> and then the Lust Card. So as the Leo card is an intensely creative card. Um, very passionate card. And then we have luxury, four of cups, which is moon and cancer. I, I struggle with this card a little bit with this deck, um, because it's a clearly it's a beautiful card. If you could see it, listeners, it's golden cups in a healthy pink lotus and water that looks like sunlight. It's very pretty, but there's waves on the on the bottom. So there's this sense that um, it looks really nice now, but the water's choppy and it could all fa- fall down. So, all right, that's interesting. We can look back at that. Um, let's see, the next one was longing. Oh, wow. Lonning, longing is the seven of cups, which is called debauch in this. And it does seem like an emotion that you can really kind of OD on, which is a kind of, this is such an addicty. There's something addicty about this card, right? Overdone. The second card for longing is you got another seven, you got the seven of swords, which is called futility. This project is not looking that great. Um, There's an excess. There's an, Oh, and then the five of cups disappointment. Well, I love when the tarot is very frank. There's like, listen, you have a surplus of ideas here. So just cut this one out. All right. Let's move over now to red leaf get another swords here, Knight of swords. He's great. He's on his way to write a book for sure. um flying <laughs> through the sky with purpose. Oh, and then we get the ace of Cups, which is aces are great for, you know, a new project. Mm. and a lot of emotion uh, to be able to kind of sink into. And oh, and then you have another seven, seven of discs, which is the failure card in this. So it's like a wall gets hit, some sort of wall whether it's a crisis of confidence or something doesn't go. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I mean, how long does it take you to write a book?
0: I mean, all of these ideas are, are very old ideas Uh huh. with maybe one exception.
1: Okay. Cause I'm like, you know, I see something like this where you get these two really pretty cards, this pretty Knight of swords with, you know, going for it. And then this beautiful, rewarding ace of cups. And it's like, in the long story of a book project, which is longer than three cards, it's like this could be a, a hurdle to get past, right? Although I guess we are asking the cards for a yes or no. So let's see. Oh, and this one actually the this one looks really good. The um the two boy army, you get another ace, you get the ace of discs, which is also great because it's very practical. Oh. And it's about a new opportunity. Yes. And you, you know, this isn't this is a book that's gonna get published out in the world. We know that. And so this is like a great, great card for that. And then you get this science card six of swords one of the you know the best sword cards mm. and it's just about you know applying your mental capacity in a beautiful um and intelligent way it's a great card for writing and then you get another six you get the six of discs which is success like and it's an, again it's a disc card so it's material success but it is a moon card so there's like an element of you know the success is going to be very deeply internal as well as have an x ex- of a, a, a lovely external sort of um manifestation as well. So yes, this gay table book actually looks really good and it you know, I this little like luxury card, it just might feel like you're walking a tightrope emotionally a little bit while you're writing and it. it just might there might be a sense in your process where you're like I'm doing it, I'm doing it, am I really doing it? And again, two boy army, sure thing. Just like very very good. I think this will be probably the easiest one for you to write and and, be, and and will feel very satisfying and have a really good life. But there, it feels like there's something important to me about this um, gay table book. I think that, I mean, you're going to write many more books in your life. So maybe, hopefully I've helped you narrow it down a little bit for whatever your next move is. But it seems like the tarot is saying it should be gay table or two boy army.
0: Maybe a two book deal.
1: I like is that. that what I should ask for? I think for? you should ask for a two book deal as long as it's a good deal, you know? Right. Alexander, it's been so delightful to talk to you and to learn so much more about your your mystical side, which is such a big part of you and your work. It's so cool.
0: Uh, I really appreciate getting the chance to talk like this. Uh, I almost never do. <laughs> <laughs> which seems like a problem. Yeah, I think I you need, need, to, you need to
1: start a coven.
0: Yeah, I need to work that out.
2: Hey, Marcella here with you today to offer up a, a shut the fuck up spell. You can utilize this spell for those who are uh, having trouble keeping your name out of their mouth. Either they're bored or they're unwilling to kind of process their own stuff. It happens all the time. The purpose of this spell is not to cause harm, but it is to neutralize any negative energies that are being sent in your direction, whether it's directly or indirectly. You're going to need a few things. You're going to need a lemon. Any lemon will do. You're going to need a knife. You're going to need some sea salt. Uh, you're going to need a piece of paper. Nothing big, just a little one. And a freezer bag and some water. So you're going to take your lemon. You're going to cut it in half. And then you're going to take half of the lemon and you're going to make a cross through the lemon but you're not going to cut it into four quarters not all the way you're just going to like cut into it about halfway down in that cross you are going to open up just a hair so that you can take the piece of paper that you have on that piece of paper you're going to write the name of who you would like to shut the fuck up roll it up and insert it into the lemon go ahead and sprinkle your sea salt on there And then you're going to put it in your Ziploc bag, fill it up with some water till it's covered, zip it up, and throw it in the back of your freezer. The salt is just to cleanse and purify anything that has come at you previously. Also cleanse the energy of that person, you know. There's some stuff obviously being kicked up for them. You want to just give them a little blessing on their way. Now you leave it in there to do its job for however long you need to. There are a couple of ways to dispose of it. You can take it uh, out of the bag, the frozen part, and you can bury it somewhere. Uh, If burying it is not an option, I would say take the whole bag and bring it to a public trash away from home. So that way you can toss it and be done. There you have it. That is my shut the fuck up quickie Kitchen witch spell for you today.
1: Have a good one. There you have it, an easy peasy, lemon squeezy way to remove your name from the mouths of haters. If you want more Marcella Kroll, you can find her on Instagram at Marcella Kroll, that's Kroll with the K, and on her podcast, Saved by the Spell. And if you're just on the hunt for easy ways to create spells, our producer, Christine Marr, has one that is literally at your fingertips. Let's join her on a trip around the world and back in time as she explores emojis and their place in modern magic.
3: I'm Christine Marr and I'm a producer at Your Magic and I have never cast a spell.
1: Christine, why have you never cast a spell, I wonder, working as you do in a mystical environment?
3: You know, nothing against spells. I just had never crossed my mind to try one. I think the only spell I've ever cast was when I was a teenager watching Harry Potter movies and trying to say, like, Wingardium Leviosa.
1: I understand if your only personal reference is, like, when you were living your peak nerd middle school lifestyle with Harry Potter, (laughs) why you would be, like... That's not something I do as an adult. But you did find your way to a much more contemporary real life spell that involves emojis.
3: Yeah, I actually heard about this from you, Michelle, that you have been seeing people cast emoji spells on Instagram. And I might not know a lot about spells, but I definitely know a lot about the internet. It seemed like a really good entry point for me to get into spell work.
1: This is so cool. So what what was the first step you took towards... Casting an emoji spell. What did you do?
3: I slid into some DMs and I met some very tech-savvy witches. Over a year ago, I got out of like a very long-term relationship, and I was feeling like in a sexual slump. I talked to Tyler Mackey, a visual artist and practicing witch. I was like commiserating with one of my like best friends through text message. I was like, I just like really want to make sure that the next fun connection that I have I wanted to be be juicy and nasty (laughs) so I wanted to really kind of like convey that within the spell you know so there was like a dolphin in there there was the three little water droplets and then like the one big water droplet I really love those ones to convey the idea of like something that's really juicy I also spoke to Adele Barkley who's another emoji spell practitioner as well as a poet
1: I love words, but sometimes you just want to reach for something a little more imagistic that can kind of gesture beyond, and that's maybe a little more up for interpretation, but you can like feel the intention behind it. Like, yeah, like I I thought of you, and I thought of care, and I chose these emojis. Gosh, I love that because I text with my friends all day long, and I'm always shooting them a little star or a heart or flowers, and I love thinking that Without even realizing it, I was sort of doing these tiny little digital rituals of love for them. Did you learn in your travels anything about the history of emojis? Yeah,
3: I talked to Paul Galloway, who's a collection specialist and emoji expert at the Museum of Modern Art in New York.
1: I remembered
0: in 2016 being in the first Emojicon, and included in there wasn't a thing with a, a witch who was going to cast a spell with an emoji. It was a way of trying to channel the intentions that we were having into this kind of pictographic form.
3: Paul told me about the history of symbol-based communication.
0: You can go all the way back to ancient times with the ancient Egyptians and hieroglyphs or any kind of pictographic form of written language. you look at the dollar bill, there's that pyramid with the little eye on top. These are all symbols that are on the one hand completely opaque to most people but also had a kind of power in their flexibility and I think emoji are really just a digital kind of modern computer-based version of something we've been doing for hundreds and thousands of years.
1: How did emojis become like the total immersive world that we have today? Yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is the human instinct
3: to want to communicate in images. And the reason we have emojis is because when phone technology was starting to get off the ground, it didn't have the strength and capacity to send something like a meme. So in order to fill that gap, tech companies started developing smaller images that people could attach to their messages, like smiley faces, little dogs, and users started to really like them. So they kept making more. And we're at the point where we now have more than 3,000 emojis on most emoji keyboards and we have technology that's good enough to also send memes. So we really get the best of both worlds.
1: We get everything. We can send so many dumb images to each other and make each other laugh all day long, but we can also do witchcraft. I mean, 3,300 emojis. When you were talking to the witches who were actually using these to send spells, did they have like a favorite emoji that they thought had a lot of power?
3: Yeah, Tyler told me about all the ways that you could use a peach. You can think of an actual peach. You can think of little peachy butt cheeks. You can think about the peach relating to the vulva. And Adele told us about the wave emoji.
1: Thinking about the element of water and here is like a wave emoji that I think like brings that like intensity. This is what... I think is so cool about contemporary witchcraft is that it is a reaction to, on some level to, I think, Christine, the things that you were thinking of when you first started thinking about spells like, oh, no, it's wands and swords and from days of yore. It feels like very medieval, like not the Knights of the Round Table or something. And then what you actually have are people in our real lives today saying, I want to make some magic. So, you know, as a reaction to that or building upon that, because maybe sometimes, uh, you know, uh, some wands and swords are called for in magic. But in addition to that, now we have emojis, which is so exciting that, that magic can be that accessible. I mean, what is more accessible than our cell phones? I mean, they're glued to our damn hands. Our faces are shoved in our screens all the time. We're always bemoaning how we're like wasting our lives, doom scrolling and everything else, you know, trying to suck dopamine from Instagram. But what if we took our phones and instead we created magic with them? I love that this is a possibility. Did you investigate doing any emoji spells of your own? Yeah, actually.
3: So one thing I learned through all of this was that a spell is not just doing the action. It's also having the intention behind it. My intention today is for everyone who's listening to this to have a really lovely day. And I wrote a spell just for that.
1: Candle. Hourglass. Headphones. Honeypot. Stool. Sprout. Butterfly. Sparkly hard. I like the thought of cell towers being used to ping our rituals around the atmosphere. And I like how handy emoji spells are. As much as I love unearthing obscure ingredients and having a reason to head out to the occult boutique, at Your Magic, we're devoted to making magic easy and accessible and fun. Just the other night, I was in need of a purifying bath, and I literally grabbed oats and chamomile tea bags from my kitchen, snipped some rosemary from my front yard, and within minutes, I was soaking in the simplest DIY spell I'd ever conjured. You're already a witch, and your home is your best apothecary. We hope you're inspired to see what magical tools are already at your disposal. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. Subscribe to us right here on Spotify. Do what you have to do to stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter at ThisIsYourMagic.com and get more great content from our team of spiritual seekers. And you can email us at hello@ThisIsYourMagic.com. At we want to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Christine Marr. We got production support from Veronica Agard, Vera Blossom, and Raven Yamamoto. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Join us next week for a conversation with Phoebe Bridgers. Thanks again for listening.